recorded live.
And uh, any other questions you have for me? Any other concerns? I don't think so. Oh, you know what? There was one question. Um, I think it was the criteria. It's asking about what criteria do I have with, um, like, I think it was assessing the client. And I wasn't sure if that was the criteria of me or the criteria of the client. Well, it's more of a criteria of the client. Like, you know, I mean, it's trying to get to that question. I was trying to think of a word to phrase it, like, you know, how do you weed people out or, like, or, or how discerning are you when you're trying to take people on, you know, as training okay. when it comes to competition and things like that? You know, can you 
it, it's it's more of how you assess um, people. That's what the motivation questions are too. You know, more of the psychology gotcha. behind everything is what I'm trying to get to. So I was trying to find gotcha. the best way to kind of ask that. So uh, okay, I, no, that's, I, I'll kind of play with the verbiage a little bit as we go. As the the questions are outlined, so you understand what I'm trying to. You know, we're trying to. Yes. Some people it's harder to get them to talk about things. Other people it's easy. So you never know. So. I'm afraid I'm going to talk too much, actually. <laughs> so. that's, 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 a, that's a great thing, so don't worry about that. Because I'm, I'm a talker, so I'm like, because I, I was reviewing all these questions. I was, like, writing answers. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's, like, so much. I need to, like, cut this short, so <laughs> I yeah, hope I don't no. talk too much. And just so, so you know, like, if you don't feel comfortable for an answer, we're recording, so that then I edit it, put a little music behind it, and it'll probably be a lot of your music and a little bit of jazz um, okay. and uh, some stuff, classical music that I like. I got some ideas. Um, but it's just so we can stop and redo a question if you don't like your answer, or you know what I mean. We can start over a question and an answer. So if you don't feel okay. comfortable after you think about it, and even if after we get done with the interview, if you think about something, we can like retape a part or redo the whole thing if you want to. So. Okay, that's good to know. I wasn't sure about that, so yeah, that makes so it's no better. pressure. You know, <laughs> we're just trying to we're trying to showcase you. And I mean, honestly, you're gonna hear me use this line a couple times. I think you're one of the most interesting women in the world. So I mean, this is you said that in your email, good. and I'm like, I don't know why you say that. That's so funny because I so don't think I am. But that's really nice of you to say that. Um, well, no, you and your husband, like, I was reading his bio to be ski patrol and to play for Mount Union. That's also pretty cool. So, like, you guys are... Oh, oh, oh I'm going to tell him you said that. He'll be so happy to hear that. Oh, <laughs> He'll love to hear old, that. I think about the old ski patrol movie from the 80s and then, like, you know, but, um, yeah, so... And then everybody's been up to those, those you know, mountains, Boston, those and stuff. So I think it's just pretty cool. Um, Ah, oh, I'll tell him that. He'll he'll be so, like, flattered. Yeah, because he's really humble, so he'll be, like, just so happy that you noticed that. So I'll tell him. He'll be tickled. <laughs> All right, we're going to start out. This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with Dee and Jacob. We're so lucky to be joined by a uh, true artisan, Shannon Eller. She's a personal trainer, uh, bodybuilder, com- competitive bodybuilder, and also jazz singer, uh, also actress, singer, and dancer. Um, Shannon, is there anything that you don't do besides joining us on this podcast? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Well, I don't know. There's, I don't know. I try to get a lot of sleep, and that's probably the one thing I try to get the most out of when I'm not doing all those other things. But Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, mm-hmm. Shannon. You started out at Youngstown oh, thank State. You, you started out at Youngstown State um, studying both dance, and singing. Uh, can you tell us about like how you found the arts and how you got started? Uh, well, the dancing is what the first the first art that actually came out of me, if you will. It probably happened when I was five years old. I would um, just dance for hours in my basement, in my parents' basement, for hours just to any type of music. And I would put on little recitals for my parents every week and not even knowing what I was doing. I had no dance lessons. I just loved to move and dance. And so one day I was downstairs dancing and my mom poked her head in and stopped me and said, I signed you up for dance lessons. And I didn't even really know what that meant, but I just was so excited that I was going to be learning how to really dance for real, you know. And I've been dancing ever since then, ever since five years old. As far as the music part goes, my mother was an opera singer herself, and she was very well-known in the Northeast Ohio area. Um, Her name is Marion Jones. That was her maiden name. And she performed a lot of opera. And so I have that genetic 
ability, if you will. And I remember seeing the movie Amadeus, which was a movie about um, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, the classical composer. And that came out in the 80s. And I saw that movie in fifth grade. And I saw a lot of opera singers in that movie. And I was just, just in awe. And I remember telling my fifth grade music teacher, that's why, what I want to be when I grow up. And that's actually where it started. It started with opera. And then the jazz and the musical theater just sort of evolved from there. So that's how that all got started. So, wow. So you had a, a home that cultivated the arts uh, very, very well there. That's very cool. Yes. yes. Now, t- now tell us about, you know, you've performed a lot of different places. Give us some idea about that. And then what, what, was, some, what was the production that you were in that you just loved and you still cherish to this day? You know, every role that I've ever done was purely out of because I just wanted to do that role. I didn't never really settled for anything because the 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 roles of theater is so they're so demanding and they they demand a lot of time from you. Um they're every single night from about 7 to 11 at night. So I always really cherished the role. I had to pick I picked the role specifically because I knew I was going to uh be putting in a lot of time. So I didn't do any role I didn't want. But the one that I really remembered loving was Cassie in A Chorus Line. And the reason I loved that that role the most, uh, that was a big dancing role and singing role and acting role. So you talk about a triple threat. You had to be able to do everything uh, with that role. So it was probably the most challenging because it required all three talents, but also because the, the play itself and the role of Cassie itself really showed true struggle as a performer, especially if you don't have any other skills, if you're not educated. You know, the the term starving artist is a real term if you don't have any other skills and no education. So that role and that play really kind of unveiled the true starving artist and love and passion for the arts. So I would say that's my favorite role. All right, and so you've been on stage, but you also still keep it local. You're singing around town, different places. What's your favorite venue to perform in Northeast Ohio? You know, because I do, because most of my performing is singing, I would have to say in a singing venue, my favorite one would probably be the Bop Stop, which is uh, owned by the Music Settlement. It's on Detroit Road in um, uh, Ohio City. And it is a jazz club, but it's not I want to I don't really want to call it a club. It's a venue where you are there to hear the music. You are not it's you're not background music. So people aren't talking while you're singing. You are there to perform and people are there to listen. And it's a really cozy club and um it's just very intimate. In fact, if you are talking too much, people will ask you to leave because they want you to be there just for the music. And so I will probably say that's my favorite place. Also because I get to sing what I want there. I can compose whatever I want, and I'm a lot, I can play whatever I want there. I don't, I'm not limited to a certain style. As to some other venues require just a certain style of music, where at the Bop Stop I can sing pretty much anything I want. Well, it sounds like both the venue and the audience respect artistry, so that's very cool. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Now, you know, the one thing that I saw that is something that I personally love and I think a lot of people do, but it's one of those lost arts of dance that we just don't, we don't see a lot of, but when you see it, you still uh-huh. are so impressed that it makes you smile, and that's that. Um, yeah. You studied with one of the most legendary teachers. Can you tell us about that? And how often do you get to tap? 
Well, the last, you know what, I really tap whenever someone hires me to tap. Um, that's the honest to God truth. But the last time I tapped, like big time hoofing tapping, was when I was in the play 42nd Street, and that was a few years back, and I played the leading role. I played Peggy, and I probably tapped, I mean, that entire play with tapping, and that was so challenging, but it's great. Um, yes, I did study with um, Gregory Hines' teacher, and she's, I, at the time, she was probably in her 60s, so, you know, I hate to reveal my age, but she was, she's probably, you know, eight in her 80s now. But um, I probably had, I had the best time learning from her. That was at Kent State. They did a teacher's training seminar because I was a dance instructor at the, at the time as well. And um, they were basically teaching you how to teach. And it, it, it was legendary to work with her. And just learning how to hoof and truly just kind of improvise like Gregory Hines was a real honor and privilege. All right. You mentioned being a starving artist. Um, and the challenges of the theater. Now, how much did that lead you into the other part of what you do, which is bodybuilding and personal training, uh, being able to know what it takes to compete at such a high level and also not afraid of the stakes? You know, I will actually tell you how that evolved. Um, I Well, I actually minored at Youngstown State in aerobic dance. So exercise was a big part of my life. And the reason it was a big part of my life in college was because I was a dancer. And as a professional dancer, you you are critiqued for your weight and you need to be very thin and in shape. So I really just got into exercise really just for that reason. It wasn't even because I loved it. It was because, okay, I have to look and weigh a certain weight or look a certain way to be a dancer. So I got into it for that reason, which probably wasn't, the healthiest reason. And then when I graduated college with a music degree, there's nothing to do with it right away. So I needed something to do. So I um, went back to school and I um, did an online degree and I got a degree in fitness and nutrition because that did become a passion. I started just watching, there was a a show in the 80s called um, Body Shaping. And I don't know if you remember that show, but it was before oh, yeah. the steroids early, kind of all hit. Oh, yeah, came on early. In the yeah, morning. and they yeah. had oh, old yeah. school bodybuilders on there, like Lee Haney and Corey Everson. And I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, like, that just looks so empowering. And, and the way these women looked with muscle was just really empowering. And, and they looked beautiful. They didn't look like men. They just, they really looked sexy. And I just remember thinking, you know, I want to look like that. So as I started falling in love with that look, I started getting interested in the the fitness and the nutrition and all that. And I also was going through a dry spell with my performing because I had moved to Cleveland um, since I had lived, originally lived in Youngstown. I moved to Cleveland. I wasn't doing any performing. And I one day I turned on ESPN and there was a Miss Fitness contest where, you know, the, the women had the muscles, but they were still beautiful and feminine and and they would actually do routines. They would do some gymnastics. They would do some dancing. And they would have really cool costumes on that showed their muscles. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, they're on stage. They're performing. So I kind of combined the two. I combined the, the bodybuilding and the performing kind of all in one. And that got me back on stage. But then it got me falling in love with the bodybuilding world. And that's kind of how it all started just from there was just seeing the Miss Fitness contest on ESPN back in my early, early, early 20s. 
And we're so happy to be joined on with an Ohio bias uh, by one of the most interesting women in the world, Shannon Eller. Uh, Shannon, uh, let us know, like, so you're now a personal trainer. You and your husband have JNS Personal Training. Uh, that's JNSPersonalTraining.com. You guys take on clients uh, as everything from, you know, competitions to people that just want to lose weight, uh, tone, and mm-hmm. also people that are looking to uh, condition themselves or get back in rehab style. Uh, tell us about what you guys offer as personal trainers and how you guys decide what clients or who can come in. You know, um, I really, my fitness and bodybuilding training really just started kind of evolving over the last five years because people just, I don't know, heard about me and said, you know, it was really just word of mouth from some of my other clients who compete. So my business, I'm going to say 90% of my clients are all uh, fitness or bodybuilding or figure or bikini competitors. Um, I train a few, uh, just if you want to call them housewives, you know, if you will, that just want to stay in shape and be toned and be fit. Um, My husband trains mostly um, young athletes. And he trains um, just, you know, also just people who have a lot of injuries. He's very skilled in that area with um, physical therapy and, and uh, sports conditioning. So he trains. That's kind of his specialty. He also uh, competes in the CrossFit games. So he puts a lot of his CrossFit knowledge into his training, where I don't know anything about CrossFit because that's just not my niche. That's his niche. So we actually have completely different training styles. I specifically, even with my clients who don't compete, I specifically train them with bodybuilding style, and the people who he trains, he either um, does conditioning or he'll do some CrossFit or do some rehab. So we actually have completely two different styles of training. So how do you deal with um, – you're also a posing coach as well. and mm-hmm. So you have clients that you know pretty much are experienced or are competing – for those that are in competition, how do you deal with somebody that, you know, might be disciplined with the nutrition or whatnot but might have that stage fright and all your experience, you know, whether it's competing bodybuilding or fitness competitions and then also being a, a trained actress, you know, how do you use that, how do you draw on that experience to bring, you know, get over the nervousness for those kind of people? You know, that's a really good question. Um, a lot of people, when it is their first show, they're, they can't even think about getting in front of hundreds or a thousand people in a teeny tiny little suit, (laughs) you know, when they've never been on stage in their whole lives. So I always ask them, especially the women, I say, who, who in the bodybuilding world do you look up to? And so they'll tell me who they, you know, a famous, uh, you know, competitor that they know of who's always in Oxygen magazine. And I'll say, okay, just pretend you're her when you go out on stage. Don't even think you're you. Think that you're her and just pretend because as an actress, I always have to pretend I'm somebody else when I'm on stage and I'm never myself. I'm always somebody else is somebody else's character. So I tell my clients, okay, just pretend you're your, you know, fitness idol as you go on stage. And that does help a little bit. Um, on the other hand, I will, I will say this to people. I've had some people will, they'll do all the prep. They'll get super nervous. Um, and then the day before the show, they'll say, I just can't do it. I, I just can't do it. And you know what? It's, it's okay. They're not disappointing me because I am here to support them no matter what decision they make, and I don't think any less of them if they do decide that. Um, so, you know, it does happen. It does happen where people are just like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. So 
Now we we know it's such a grind and it's a it's a hard process to you know go through the competition level of training um, and the demands that it, it puts on one mentally and physically, not only physically but mentally. So how do you not you know just your clients stay prepared and motivated, but how do you stay motivated when you're in training for a competition? You know that's really interesting because I don't have a coach. And um, all my clients have me. So I'm kind of like the mama bear. I, they will text me. I probably get 100 text messages a day from my clients just, oh, my gosh, I ran out of sweet potatoes. What am I supposed to eat now? Or this is all I have left in the fridge. What am I supposed to do? Or, I mean, they're just frantic. So I am their support system. But I don't have a coach. I am my own coach. So I really rely on just my own knowledge and I also, you know, I don't I don't really take progress pictures or anything like that. A lot of people do that. I really just look in the mirror and, no, I'm not where I want to be yet, so I just, you know, grind a little bit more. But I will say one of the, one of the biggest ways for me to stay motivated is prayer. You know, I believe in a higher power. I believe in God, and I do not think I could ever do this on my own on my own strength. So, I do pray. And I also have a great husband. I mean, he, luckily, he's in, you know, the athletic world, and he works out himself probably two hours every single day. I mean, he might take one day off a week, but he understands how hard this is. And so him just being really super supportive is great. I mean, if we go out to dinner and I'm still in prep and I'll bring my own food and he'll be cool and say, Hey babe, can I, do you mind if I have a hamburger in front of you? Is it going to bother you? You know, I mean, he, he really cares and he really is supportive. And a lot of people don't have that. I train a lot of women, their husbands aren't too crazy about them competing or people are single, you know, so I'm really lucky to have a great husband who is super supportive. But if I didn't have my husband, like I said, prayer is is the first thing, but also you know I will I do I will put my the suit that I buy and I plan on wearing for the show. I do hang it up and I stare at it and I think, okay, you have to be in this suit in however many weeks, so you better stay on your diet. It's really the diet's the hardest part for me. It's not the working out. The working out is the, the easy part for me. I love it. It's the eating that's always hard. So I also ask my husband to hide a lot of things. If he has peanut butter or even, like, certain protein bars that taste too good, I'm like, babe, you've got to hide those for me. So that's, I mean, I know that's, that's probably not the most inspirational words of motivation, but that's what does for me. So. Well, I think, the, I think the truth in your message and what you're sharing is the most motivating thing about it, that it's not, you know, some great secret. It's the same struggle that a lot of people might go through if they're in a competition. It is a struggle. Absolutely. Yeah. It is for everybody. Absolutely. But, you know, most people just see the pictures of progress and they see the pictures, you know, when you're on stage. So that's what, you yep. know, that's why the truth might help. Um, speaking about yeah. being on stage competing, you, you're a posing coach. So tell us, what's the difficulties of posing and bodybuilding that, you know, somebody that maybe never uh, has, you know, been on stage or, you know, everybody sees the flexes and things like that. Um, they don't know how long you have to hold it and how long you, you have to smile through it. So tell us about how difficult that might be. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, well, I have to say that one of the first things for women is getting used to those heels. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of those heels that we have to wear. They're about six inches high. So, First of all, just learning how to walk in the heels is, I mean, it's not a joke. It, it is hard, and they are hard on your feet. 
Um, the second thing is, you're right, it's just getting comfortable flexing and holding it. I think people, when they, when they see the competitions, they think, oh, the, I don't need posing. A lot of people will say that to me, I, I don't need posing help. But then they get on stage and they work for, you know, nine months on this physique, but they don't know how to show it. And posing can make or break your placing. And I tell people that all the time. Little teeny tiny tweaks. If you have a wider waist, like I'm just born with a, a wider waist, I have to really twist to make my waist look super tiny. Um, and, I mean, there's every little tiny tweak is so important in posing, and I don't think people think it's as important as it really is. I mean, it is really, really important. I had a client, he came in, and he was competing in his first uh, men's physique show, a young kid, about 23 years old, and um, he, you know, had the physique, and he was training hard, but we worked on posing every single week, and he took first place in his first show. And he said, you know what? It's not because I had a better physique. It's because I was able to show off what I had more than the other guys did. And I said, yep. And I've been, I've been backstage with girls um, in physique shows, and I'm like, man, I'm going to get creamed. These girls are huge, and they are solid. And I end up winning, and I think a lot of it is just the posing. It's the stage presence. It's showing what you have with grace and femininity, especially, you know, obviously if you're a woman. Um, and just, you know, one of the hardest things, though, and I, I make my posing sessions half an hour long with all my clients because they have to get used to holding those poses. And a lot of times they'll come out of those posing sessions dripping in sweat because they, they cannot believe how hard it is to hold a flex for five minutes long, and that's usually how long each judge will make you hold a pose because they're comparing you to every single person on stage. So it is a lot of work. In fact, I tell people if you're not sore the day after posing, you did not pose hard enough. So it's a level of endurance to it as well. Wow. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're so thankful for you just sharing your time with us, Shannon. Is there anybody that you want to give shout-outs to or thank here out there that you know you want to talk about here you know i i want to just give a shout out to all my clients who've ever given me the privilege of training them you know i don't take this job for granted it's a huge honor that these people these women and men put their trust in me and hire me and just believe in me as a coach you know i think a lot of coaches out there think of it as an ego trip where I think of it as more of, of it's, a, it's a humbling feeling to know that these people come to you every week and they put their trust in you to get them ready to be on stage in front, like I said, in front of hundreds of people in a teeny tiny outfit that exposes every flaw and every strength that they have. So I want to thank all my clients, past and, and present uh, clients that I've ever helped even ones that have moved on to other people, you know, they've given me the chance to help them grow and, and succeed and become better. And that's a huge honor for me as a coach, and I never take that for granted. So you guys all know who you are, um, and I, I, there'd be a lot of people to name, so I don't want to leave them but anybody out and hurt their feelings. Um, but um, that's, that's really it. Yeah. All right. And give us one nutrition tip for all those people out there who might overdo it during the holidays besides just going back in the gym. So. I, okay, 
I'm gonna, this is probably the the best thing, the best advice I could ever give, and I'm and I'm also preaching to myself when I say this. Is when you're on a diet or even a plan. If you're on a on a program, and you know the holidays come, or even even if you're just baking cookies for your friends or or your neighbors, and you end up overeating your cookies, whatever it may be that makes you go off your diet, the worst thing that you can do for yourself is to skip meals the next day to try to compensate for all the calories you took in. Or I've also seen people do like two hours of cardio on the treadmill the day after they do that. The worst That's the worst thing you could do because it causes a really bad cycle. So if you end up starving yourself the next day because of what you did the day before, you'll end up binging again that night because you're so hungry. So the best thing you could do would just be go going back right on your regimen the next day. So eat your normal breakfast, eat your normal snack, eat your normal lunch, do your normal workout that you're supposed to do, and usually the weight that we gain from those over overeating times is really just water. I mean, you can't gain three pounds in one day of fat. You know, it's it's probably mostly water weight. So you will lose it in a few days. But the worst thing to do is just, you know, get in the gym and work out for three hours and starve because that ends up being like a binge purge, kind of even mild eating disorder, if you will, and it can become a bad cycle. So... That's my nutrition tip or health tip, if you will, over the holidays. And then for anybody else there looking to compete or retain your services, how can they find Shannon Eller out here on the uh, Internet, as they say, and social media? <laughs> well, I'm not on Facebook, but I am on Instagram. So they can find me on Instagram at Shannon Eller Live 76 so that's my Instagram name. Um, or they can go to our website, which is JNS Personal Training, and that's com. And if you want to see me sing or come and hear me sing, again, I'm not on social media with that either, but you can always go to my my singing website, which is www.shannonellermusic.com, and there's a calendar page, and it'll show you all the performances I have coming up. Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. Thank you so much uh, for taking your time and joining us here at Within Ohio Fire. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. How do you feel about that? That was fine, yeah. How do you feel about it? <laughs> no, you did a real good job. I'm just, I just mess with okay. people. I always ask like that real monotone style. No, that was a great job. Great <laughs> answer. So it'll, it'll, be, it'll be very good. Um, I'll send it to you here in a couple of days, and just let me know if there's anything you don't like, and uh, I'll change it immediately. So. Okay. No, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. That's this is really a great honor and a privilege, and I'm just happy that you thought of me. So, thank you no, so much. I, I mean, Summer was the one. She's like, oh, you got to interview her. She's awesome. So, and you really are. That's so, so nice so of her to do that. I mean, she's you know, I'm just so proud of her. She's just. I'm sure you loved her when you guys interviewed her. She's just. She's awesome. She's just a great, great gal. I love her. No, she really is, yeah. Yeah, she is. How did you guys find out about her? Because of her book? or I was just wondering how you guys found out about Summer. No, a friend of mine told me that I needed to reach out to her that knew her real well. Okay. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, everything. Like, I have a lot of friends that uh, compete and things like that, so I just, you know, somebody was like, oh, you got to talk to her. She'd be great, so. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you guys found her. Well, that's cool. All right. Well, anything else, sir? No, it's great. Um, I just—is uh, it okay to pull a couple pics from your website and stuff like that? Oh, absolutely, for sure. Okay. 
that's all we need. Thank you so much, Janet. Awesome. Thank you. It was an honor. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.